You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Robbie Samuels hosts the On the Schmooze podcast. Robbie, tell listeners what to expect from the show. Since 2015, I've interviewed entrepreneurs who overcame challenges to achieve success in their field or industry. Tune in to On the Schmooze to listen as I ask deep questions to elicit untold stories about leadership and networking. And where can people subscribe? Find the show at ontheschmooze.com or on marketingpodcast.net or just search for it wherever you get your podcasts. You heard them. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Dev Show. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and founder of The Dev Method, which is my system for goal setting simplified. My vision is to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation you need to figure out what you want and help you make a plan to get it. Let's get started. Happy mid-year. I feel like I should have confetti or something. I feel like we all need like massive gold stars for making it this far. We're going to celebrate as we do all the time because every day, every week, every month, every mid-year is the opportunity to reassess, look at the life we want and make plans to make it happen. And every week I lead the Gold Chat Twitter chat on Sunday nights. And then I bring in awesome people, usually from different parts of my life, as is the case today, to like hang out, you know, think of it as virtual happy hour. Because if we were in real life, real life, (laughs) if we were in person, this is what happens, right? You get together with your friends and your friends meet your friends. And so this is the way I get to introduce you to the cool people I know and vice versa. Anyway, I am so excited for our happy mid-year party. We have Denny Brown. Denny leads, co-leads the Connect Ottawa uh, networking events. So every few weeks on Tuesday mornings, I become an honorary Canadian and hang out with Denny and his crew. And I'm thrilled that you could join us today. And so you can, well, and you have a new bundle of joy, but I don't want to like spoiler alert because we don't get to see the cutie five. That's okay. Uh, but really happy you could join us. And Thank we you. also have Elaine Hall. Now, Elaine, I've known the longest because we did, a, I did a piece on her on the Miracle Project a few years ago, and we were like immediate kinship. And we haven't been able to run into each other at Unplug Meditation lately. So I guess I had to make this happen. So Elaine, always lovely to see you. And Jeff Sweat, Jeff and I were on a panel together for BookFest a few months ago, and it feels like a million years. And I know probably more so for you. But (laughs) uh, anyway, it's the middle of the year. We made it. I'm excited. But before we chat a little bit more, I would love it for you all to introduce yourselves better, because basically all I just said was, here are three cool people. Let's learn more. So why don't we go and start with you, Denny? 
please oh, introduce yourself and then lead with like, or end with like one fact. Very few people know about you. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm Denny Brown from Ramsey Brown Media. We help you define, refine, and tell your story on and offline. I'm a marketer at heart, and I love creating a marketing funnel to get your clients from where they are to where they need to be, which is a sale or a client or a call. So that's what I do. I'm also, uh, I also help out with a business networking company, Connect Ottawa Business People, as you mentioned before. Uh, in that one, Bernie, Franz Grote, Margaret Ann Davis, and I help connect Ottawa business entrepreneurs and the world, really, because this is a digital age now. Uh, Deborah has been to a few of our meetings, and, and we try to train business entrepreneurs to be a little bit better each day. One fact that nobody knows about me, well, I'm a very open book. Uh, I've, I've lost a child uh, a few years ago. I was in the military, and uh, I still am in the military as a reservist now. And uh, one thing people don't know about me is I, long story short, mother was into drug and alcohol, and we traveled across Canada to stay ahead of the law. Wow. You were going to say something, Jeff? I just said he has me beat. That's pretty amazing. Uh, it, it, the story pales in comparison to many other people. And one of the f few things that I've learned in life is there's always a sadder story, but we all share in pain. Wow. As I've expressed before, I am like beyond sorry for your loss, but you meet Denny. Would you think that he's had as much trauma as he's had? But it's what we take with our pain. And you created a company with your wife, but I don't want to digress. We'll digress more later. Elaine, will you please introduce yourself? Okay. Uh, I'm Elaine Hall and really excited to be here. I, um, I work in the entertainment industry as a TV and acting coach and consultant. I um, also founded a um, theater and film program for uh, children, teens, and adults on the spectrum, on the autism spectrum, neurodiverse, and um, I uh, and and really for for individuals with disabilities, it's fully inclusive. We include those with and without disabilities, and create original musicals that we perform on some of the best stages. And Deb came and played with us one day. <laughs> it was so much fun, and. Uh, um, I'm also a co-founder of an organization, a new organization called One in Four, that uh, is really changing the way Hollywood um, represents, hires, and um, perceives uh, disabilities. So um, I was going to say two things that people don't know about me. One was I, I was a former dancer, professional dancer, and I portrayed Oscar the Grouch in Sesame Street Live. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, wow. was really fun. I had to have a really strong arm because it was a puppet. I was a puppeteer and it was a blast. Uh, something else that you may not know is I am now um, have uh, outed myself as neurodiverse myself in the way that my brain processes information and the way that I perceive the world. Just wow. from here, yeah. Really? Interesting. So how did you figure that out? Or 
I have lots of friends that are on the spectrum and they all were always telling me that I was on the spectrum and I knew that I wasn't because I respect the challenges of people on the spectrum profoundly. Um, and I kind of, but I always felt uh, more, very comfortable around, um, I mean, I'm kind of a social introvert. I love being, I love my friends and I, but I also didn't suffer during the um, pandemic at all. And now that there is this broad umbrella of neurodiversity and just processing differences in the way I'm in the world and the way that I perceive the world and the world experiences me, I have to um, realize that my friends on the spectrum were, were correct and uh, that, that I, I do have a lot of, lot of qualities and uh, I am embracing it wholeheartedly. And I think that's why I've been able to be part of both worlds, the um, neurotypical and neurodiverse world. Well, they are both so lucky to have you. <laughs> Thank you. So, Jeff. So, um, a little bit about me. I am a writer. Uh, I have um, uh, two novels out in the world, um, YA uh, post-apocalyptic novels um, set in L.A. Uh, in a world where um, everybody over the age of 17 has died. And ironically, um, you'll see when I talk about some of my next facts, um, it's a, it was by a disease that only killed grownups and left kids unscathed. Um, so, um, this is so a little eerie. It is a little eerie. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, um, I also own uh, my own PR agency called Sweat & Co. We are a, an ad agency that works primarily with, um, sorry, a PR agency that works primarily with ad agencies. So it's kind of a funny little niche, but it means that I get to work with some of the most creative people in the business uh, and, you know, get to, to, to advise them on how to be better agencies. A um, um, couple of facts about me. The one that I used to always say, which I still think is interesting, so I'm going to say it, is that um, I worked my way through college as a carpenter and decided that wasn't a career for me um, after I got shot in the head with a nail gun. Um, so... It did not, did not, it did not penetrate. It, it hit me this way, but it still hurt like hell. I had a concussion for like three days. Um, so that was sort of around the time that I thought maybe I didn't have a long, lot of longevity in that career and thought it might be a good time to get out. Um, and uh, the most recent thing that people don't know is that, uh, well, Deb does because she got a front row seat, um, is that uh, I was in the hospital for almost two months with COVID. I was in a, it was in a coma for uh, three, three weeks. Um, and, um, uh, and I'm just happy to be here. So when I say that the book is kind of ironic and eerie that, that this disease affected adults, um, we had it come through our house and our, my kids and everyone were fine. Um, but I was the one who, who ended up going to the hospital. So, um, so yeah, so that has, when Deb talks about how we talked months ago and it seems like forever, it really does seem like a different life. So this is, this is me in, um, in, um, kind of a rebirth moment for me. Well, and I am so thrilled that, that you came out of it, obviously. <laughs> but I remember when the first post you did that said that you were going to the hospital to get checked out, you were sure you were fine, but better to be something like that. And mm -hmm. then the next thing I knew, I was seeing the daily post from your wife. Yeah. Yeah, it happened so quickly. It was... Um, 
uh, I kind of had the sniffles about a week before and it started to progress, but just barely. I mean, it wasn't until just a few days before that we really thought it was something urgent. Um, I started getting a fever, but even that could have been something else. I was convinced it was a cold because we really hadn't left the house. We had been under really strict quarantine. And, and it turns out that the only two times I went out was to go to a grocery store and a record store with my son. And it was the record store, we think, that got us sick. So, um, and we were, because I guess because you're all close quarters and, you know, flipping through vinyl and stuff like that. Um, but it's, uh, it happened really, really quickly. The analogy I, I use is it's kind of like, like a waterfall scene in the movies when they're out, you're rafting down the river and everything's all like mellow and quiet and you turn around the bend and all of a sudden there's this roaring waterfall ahead of you and it's too steep and too fast to get out. Um, that's what it was like by the time, by the time I realized that I was really sick, it was almost too late. I entered the hospital and had um, severe acute respiratory distress. Uh, my lungs were failing. My organs were on the verge of failing. Um, and, uh, you know, and they admitted me within minutes and, uh, and within probably with, within less than 48 hours, I was intubated and, and put into a medical coma. Well, I'm glad it was almost. Almost. It's, 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 it's a really important word. Mm -hmm. And it's not to, of course, not to belittle all of your trauma. I think over the last year, everybody has had different levels of, of not just trauma, but celebration. It's really been a year of ups and downs. And that's why I think it, when I was thinking, okay, it's mid-year, who do I get to celebrate the mid-year? All three of you are really good champions. Curves get thrown at you and you use it for advocacy or to create, right? What do you think is the biggest thing that you've learned over the last year? What is the biggest life lesson? And uh, since yours is probably going to be the most serious, Jeff, let's, let's start with you on this one. Um, I mean, I think it's got to be don't take anything for granted. Um, I think for me, um, you know, I, we, I have three kids at home. Um, it has been a hard year, like it was for everyone else to have all of us in, in the room. And there's been, I mean, a million things prior to this could have been my most traumatic thing that had happened at a year. And it would have been pretty, I would have felt pretty comfortable with that. Um, but the reality is, is um, I'm so grateful that I had them at home and that we've had that time together. And it was, it's been amazing to come back and, and to spend that time with them. Um, I think it's also just for me, um, just renewed my love for writing, for, for my work, all those kinds of things. I've thrown myself back in that in, in, in a way that I think has been um, you know, healthier and more effective ultimately. Nice. And Elaine, how about you? There's so many things. Uh, I, I realized my resiliency and uh, we pivoted. I have a, a musical theater and TV and film program where we were live, you know, had classes every day with over 100 participants. And we were working on an original musical that we were going to be performing. We're already rehearsing it. We were going to be performing at, at the Wallace in a month and a half. And within a week, we pivoted to classes online, virtual, and wrote an original musical and continued rehearsing it. Um, we had to rewrite it for virtual, but continued to rehearse it and uh, created a, a virtual product that then went on to Broadway licensing and became, you know, this, this entity in itself. And so I, I learned that 
that I can pivot. I learned that I can not take no for an answer, that I know how to motivate and lead in a way that I really didn't know I did before because we turned this whole you know ship around very quickly. And uh, the most important thing for me was to be of service to my families and, and, and students and for them not to be alone in their anxiety. And I was able to place my own anxiety aside and that when I was on Zoom, I was there and present and, you know, found resources in myself that I could bring out in others. So I felt very, very blessed with that. Um, I also really learned how little I need to be happy. And, um, you know, I did meditation online and took yoga online and all the things that I love doing, dance classes and um being more time with my husband and my son. I have a son with a, um, with a non-speaking son with autism. And uh, I was really able to retreat in a way that will be, bring me forward and has already brought me forward. So, uh, yeah, I um, it, it's actually been an extraordinary year for me with all the challenges, um, you know, working 10 and 12 hour days on Zoom because we had to pivot everything. We're, we're writing in a whole new original musical that is going to be performed on Zoom. So just being open to the, I'm from California, so being open to the universe and, and letting myself be infused with, with, with light and gifts and recognizing um, a lot of gratitude, a lot of gratitude. Nice. Well, I think you are the queen of the pivot. I mean, you basically created a whole system based on the needs of your son. I mean, isn't that really how the Miracle Project came about and yeah. everything that you do? Yeah, exactly. Um, I was a TV and film acting coach and consultant, script consultant. And um, I adopted a little boy from, from Russia. And when he came to me, he spun around in circles and stared at his hand for hours at a time and banged his head. and tantrumed and all those kinds of things. And what I found, traditional therapies didn't work for him. So what I did was I joined his world. I just became part of his world. And when he would spin, I'd spin with him. We'd make it ring around the rosies. And he would flap. And you guys want to flap. It's fun. We can flap. We flap together and became birds. And people thought I was kind of, um, that I was enabling his autism. But all I knew is when I joined his world, he connected. To me and what does any mom want but that connection so i continued to do it I, I learned everything i could about autism and then i started training other people to help me because it was i found i realized if i joined his world an hour a day we connect an hour and if i joined him two hours a day we'd connect for two hours so i started to do trades with my actor friends or i would trade them how to get an you know do well on an audition in exchange for them learning what I was learning. And I created a methodology that um, uses the arts to, to reach seemingly unreachable children, teens, young adults. And now my, my, my son is non-speaking, but he's, he's spoken using his uh, device, his I iPad uh, at the UN. And I've, I've written a book It's called Now I See the Moon about our journey together. People are talking about making it into a movie and, um, Jeff, I was thinking how your your story would make a great 
Well, let's talk uh, for sure. (laughs) I don't, you know, I'm I'm just, just but yeah, we should talk to someone because I I just see it, you know, it's apocalyptic and and profound. I mean, 17 year olds and under have a lot of answers that that we have limitations on, you know? I I agree, by the way, I found, I modeled it after my own kids. And I, one thing that I truly believe is that like, they're just incredibly confident and so much smarter and, and sort of more empathetic than we ever give them credit for. Oh, yeah. My th- kind of conclusion after writing this was that, you know, it's sort of, because it was sort of a Lord of the Flies kind of angle. But for me, my conclusion was sort of the opposite of the Lord of the Flies, which is that I think if it were left up to the kids, we would be in good hands. You know? I agree. I so agree. I mean, my my students with on the, on the spectrum, there are diverse students, um, clients, my clients, and when I give presentations, I find that those who perceive the world differently can can offer healing, and yeah. uh, and that's uh, kind of kind of my mission. And I think that's that's the possibilities that Absolutely. the younger generation really does know the answer. Those who are neurodiverse know the answer, and we just all need to listen. That's great. Isn't the world lucky, lucky that that people like you all are in the world to make a difference to help, uh, Denny? I want you to go back to why you started your company because we want to, we ha- didn't get to hear that story, but also uh, please share what your biggest takeaway was over the last year. Uh, so the company was started in essence because I was retiring from the military eventually, and my wife had PTSD from being a paramedic with the city, and uh, she knew she was never going back. The the, the case was too severe, uh, so we. We found that she had a passion for social media and marketing. And I had, uh, being a public affairs officer in the military, I was social media communication stratcom. And so the two of us just went, you know, it, it makes sense to create a company that helps people with communication and use it as a and retirement vehicle for us. I mean, it, it, you can't say no to a win-win have to embrace it with two hands and carry forth. Um, initially, we started it in 2017, and it was just supposed to be a side project at first. And in 2019, I retired. I had kind of enough with the military and moving around and all of the gripes that most military families have. And we found our forever home here, and we decided, you know what, let's try and, let's try and make this a go. And uh, we've been moving along very slowly every day for the past year. So my lesson that I've learned over the year is change doesn't happen instantaneously. Change is a percentage increase every day until you hit the point of no return. And then it becomes a rock. But if you don't stick with it and if you don't keep making the change every day, it takes longer and longer for it to get off the ground. Which, you know, is one thing that I say a lot, you know, even if you spend your 15 minutes a few days a week, it doesn't seem like a lot. But if you dedicate it, if you know what you want and you build it, it gets built. I I love how you called it your forever home, because isn't that usually what we say with puppies? (laughs) Puppies, adopted children, lots of things. We try to say, you know what, this is your forever home. And, uh, when we found this place, we, we knew, we found it for my daughter. Uh, she was live, and we knew when we got in there that this was going to be the place that we would stick with for the end of her time and then carry on 
to the end of our times. So it's it's got the good memories and the painful ones? Absolutely. She passed away here in the house. Uh, so very painful memory. But at the same time, the amount of joy and light she brought into the world was all relatively within these, these walls. And uh, you can't you can't have happiness without sadness. It's it's an impossibility. It's if you have happiness without sadness, it becomes bland. And if you have sadness without happiness, it becomes despair. So the two of them are combined together, same sides of the of the same coin, different sides of the same coin, and that you need to experience them both to be able to understand the depths and the heights of both. Very, very good and poignant uh, point. And, well, and your wife too. How's she doing? Uh, Kathleen is doing fairly well. She's still recovering, uh, but she has found a passion project that she's working on, and I I can see the joy in her eyes every every couple of days, and or the frustration of of working uh, on a project that's not moving. I think we've all kind of been there and and done that, and uh, it, it's a healing process, but it's a it's a working process. And, and so, do you have a passion project that you that you or is that Connect Ottawa? Uh, Connect Ottawa is a serendipity that uh, we had of. I met through a variety of different interactions these two people and decided to join forces with them because I'm a technology person at the same time, um, and I love helping people. So it it started off as helping and it eventually worked its way into a business. Let's say boo to that one. Uh, no. But, Absolutely not. That's good. But my passion project right now is Alicia's little world. Uh, you know Alicia Myronek, and and yes. uh, I'm working on that passion project right now. So. And and why don't I know it? But why don't you tell other people? Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Alicia Myronek has coined a phrase called myrony, my irony, and uh, it's the serendipity in motion. So. The little interconnections that we have between us create more connections and create a, a systematic pattern that we can see and feel and follow to be our better selves. If I could sum it up in a in a nutshell, it's a lot more than that, but that's that's the basics of it. Oh, I think I think you did a very nice job of it, Elaine. You have a new passion project you started mentioning. Before the one in four, is that a passion oh, project or is it yeah. a project? That's a that is a passion project. I'm uh, thank you. I'm, I, I just have to comment, just Denny, just hearing how supportive and beautiful your relationship is with your wife is uh, incredibly moving and inspiring. And I want to thank you with that, but it took a lot of work at the beginning. And I'll tell you one funny story. At the Please. very beginning. I had this really bad idiosyncratic uh, affliction of my face where I would smirk during an argument. There is nothing more infuriating to the other person of the argument when you are smirking at them. And I didn't know I was doing this, so my wife would get furious. And I wouldn't know why, because we would be communicating. At least I thought we were communicating. So it, it took a lot of work and it took a lot of communication and it took a lot of effort and we had to see a counselor to be able to speak the same language. So thank you so much for that, Elaine, but it was a lot of work. Well, that's it. I mean, good, good relationships take work. I think people you know, buy into the happily ever after and I think it's really about 
one day at a time, especially, you know, over COVID being in the same room with somebody, you know, even with Netflix um, and Amazon and uh, <laughs> Apple, but uh, being willing to do that work, you know, when you find someone who's willing to be on the journey, which I feel grateful. My, my husband, Jeff, is um, marriage and family therapist. And but we, you know, we have to work at it. So I, it's, it's great when you get to the other side, you know, but yes, my, my newest passion project is that uh, I've got two, but one is um, I co-founded an organization called One in Four, which is a, a group of um, uh, Hollywood um, insiders that, that have a different, have disabilities and are really transforming the way that the media hires and presents and content on disability. I mean, like I love to say in every single film or commercial, just present people with disabilities as part of the fabric of life rather than, oh, a, a movie about disability or, you know, where the person with a disability is the hero or the pity person or the villain. But no, just have someone drinking a milkshake at McDonald's that happens to use a wheelchair or have, you know, a crowd in La La Land. And part of the crowd are people with Down syndrome or autistic or, you know, just make it, make, make the invisible visible. And mm -hmm. we're really having a lot of success. I just finished working on a, um, a new TV series that will be coming out maybe in October, but on, on, on Amazon. It stars three adults on the spectrum portraying three uh, characters on the spectrum seeking independence. And... It was that was I was work, but it was a passion project at the same time. So I feel very blessed that I can be combining my my passion, my love, my mission on the planet, um, both in Hollywood and and also my work with with the Miracle Project. We're we're just completing a um, an original musical that stars an entire diverse cast with and without disabilities. If they've written the material, co-written the songs, and extraordinary so I, I feel really really blessed to be living um, my passion you know on a, on a daily basis well, and then expanding the miracle project all over the world where i've got a friend in from argentina who wants to start the miracle project in argentina so it's um it's growing wow that's so cool jenny wants wants to say things i have a quick question what what passion brought you to music and to musicals in your background is that that's a very very niche key in a, in its complexity so what brought you to that well i thank you what a great question i was a kid who stayed in my room as a little kid and just choreographed to my mirror and uh i've always just loved musicals loved musicals and um i it's my that's my passion so I created the Miracle Project to be the world that I want to live in, where we sing and dance and act and connect and appreciate each other for our differences. And, and um, yeah, yeah, it's love. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. The Miracle Project, it was just beyond. I mean, you look at the things people create and then you walk into a room where people are creating people from all different ages and backgrounds and whatever are coming together to create art basically and everybody was so lovely and welcoming fun we loved having you well that's it it's it's not therapy 
It's not using the arts as therapy. It's art. It's creativity. It's joy. It's passion. And I think that's what makes it so different. Yeah. Well, but we should all have creativity and joy and passion. I believe everyone deserves to be happy in some, if not all, of their life. And if it can't be your main thing, at least make it part of your life. You know, find the things that get you going and bring you joy and get you like excited to get up because that'll make the mundane things. Now I'm saying this to a group of people who love what they do in their day job and their passion projects. So obviously present company excluded, but if you're out there thinking, you know, my job, uh, but I can't leave it. That's fine. Think about what it is you want out of this world, what you want to do to help others, what you want to create. And that's really the first step. So Jeff. Yeah. So is your, I, I should ask you the, the question the same way, but I'm not going to. So <laughs> is your passion project right now, just spreading the word of your survival, your experience in educating, or is there something else or is it both or what? So we, um, we started, um, I started writing about, about all of this, like, as I said before, um, right as I was going to the hospital. And it really was to kind of educate people about what it was really like. I'd had people in my own immediate circle, family, friends who didn't believe that COVID was serious. They kept on talking about how survivable it was. And I knew from the moment I started seeing serious symptoms that, um, that I was, that it was way more than, than anyone had ever kind of believed it could be, you know, it was, I've never, I've been sick with the flu many times. I've never once feared for my life, you know, and that's where I was with, with this. And, um, and it, it kind of just started taking on a life of its own. Um, and so my wife wrote while I was, well, I was, you know, out and that's probably Deb where you first started hearing about it. Um, but then when I woke up, it was something that was really important to me as a way of reclaiming my identity. Um, so as a writer, um, when I woke up, I, I had been in, I'd been in a coma for, for three weeks. My muscle mass had, had wasted away. I was, I lost 45 pounds during those three weeks. Um, most of it, most of it muscle. Um, I wish it a little more fat, but it was mostly muscle. And, um, it, um, it meant that not only could I not walk or, or you know, or breathe properly, um, but my, I couldn't hold my hands steady. They were shaking, you know, as if I had some kind of, you know, palsy, like it was that, that's how bad it was. I couldn't control them. I couldn't hold anything. And, um, but I also didn't have the ability to, to communicate in any way. I'd had a tracheostomy. Um, so even after I was intubated, I couldn't speak and was really isolated from the world. And um, in the way, the only way that I know how to make sense of, to communicate, you know, in general is to write. And the only way I could um, uh, make sense of everything was to write. And so I asked for my computer, you know, I, I signed that I wanted my computer. And remember my nurse said, um, you're not gonna be able to use that. Um, and, um, and I, you know, my wife was on a zoom call with me and she said, he'll figure it out if he wants to. And so they brought me an iPad and my phone and, and my computer. And I really couldn't use my computer. Um, at first it was just too hard to, to work on the keys. Um, and I tried to use my phone and 
it took me two days to type a single sentence. Um, that's how, that's how um, debilitated I was. Um, but I had my wife bring in an ergonomic keyboard for me. Um, and I start, which allowed my, me to lock my fingers in. And that was the process by which I started to rehabil rehabilitate myself. Um, and it was a also the process where I started to cope with the trauma early on um, because, because I was kind of like using, the, I was writing about things in real time. And I, and I think it allowed me to see, see what I went through much more immediately than I would have otherwise. It allowed me to accept things, allowed me to sort of identify things that could change. Um, and that's, and, and, but, and again, it, the most important thing was, is it let me get back to myself because when you are in a severe medical situation like that, it doesn't be COVID or anything, you lose yourself, you lose your identity, you, you, you are dehumanized in every possible way. And um, this is the way that I came back. Um, and it was by doing the thing that I love most. And so I, you know, want to continue to do that and to kind of share obviously the lessons that I learned in that process, um, but also just continue to kind of work through this whole, this whole event. Well, isn't it wonderful that you have the gift of the words for both reasons, you know, the fact that it helped you heal, but in, I also talk a lot about, you know, what you do in life, how does it help other people? And it doesn't have to be a thing. It can be informing, entertaining, creating, and people who've gone through challenges and coming out the other side, not just to say, hey, I made it, which is cool, by the mm -hmm. way, but to have that extra zest with which yeah. you're like, okay, new purpose. Yeah, and we encountered so many things that were, were a surprise to us, things about the way the ICU works, the way intubation works, um, the way that you experience delirium when you're emerging from, from comas, all those kinds of things. Um, and, and there are things that we, my wife and I both have strong feelings about how those can be addressed in our, in our, in our community. And so that's the other part is I think we've really, both of us have become activists in our own ways about these issues. And um, unfortunately I've had the opportunity through this process of writing the book to start actually affecting some of those changes. So, I talked to to the I interviewed the director of the ICU um, about about my treatment at, at you know at, at the um, um, at the hospital, which was overall was great. But the one area that was really problematic, I thought, was in communications and in managing anxiety. And that's an important thing when you're um, in a coma or intubated, because when you have anxiety and they try to wean you off of sedation, you panic and you fight the the, the um, the, the two fight the vent as they, they call it and you fight the vent because you're panicking um, and every time you do that it extends the amount of time that you have to be on the vent um, which decreases your your chance of survival so there was like a direct correlation between managing anxiety and survival um, and so I talked to her about communications and about things that, that I feel like they could have done differently uh, and she responded actually by by um, sending me their communications board, which um, which they frankly weren't using um, to see if they could improve the way that, that they communicate with, with client, with patients and allow them to communicate back. Awesome. Amazing. Okay. Where are my gold stars? There. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. 
So moving forward, let, let's let's amp up the energy into the positive, optimistic Deb way. But it is, I mean, these are all great stories of affecting change, making the world a better place. But what about fun? What are you all doing for fun these days, Jeff? Um, so I've been I, I've been mountain biking. That was the thing that I loved to do before, um, and I was frankly afraid that we'd never be able to do again. Um, my lung capacity is still not back to where it was, but um, I use that as an excuse to buy an e-bike, which if you guys don't know, is a pedal-assisted bike. You push the pedal and it spins you a lot faster than you would ever go yourself. Um, so um, that's been amazing. Um, I am, I feel like a superhero riding up those hills at speeds that I couldn't have done before. And so even though I'm not fully better, um, it's something I find myself like wanting to go out and do every day, which you can find any exercise that you want to do every day willingly, you know, then that's pretty amazing. So I'm very happy with that. Do you have a superhero name? I mean, everybody calls me Mr. Sweat. It's not really a super, it's not really a superhero name, but it's just what I've always been called. It's just sort of, I don't know, whatever reason that's, I've been called that since high school probably. But that is your name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, listen, that comedian. And it worked out super well. Excellent. So do you feel like you need a cape now? I'm good. All I have, all I need are the glasses. So I can't lose those. Very good point. So, so Jenny, what have you been doing for fun? That is a great question. So first thing I want to say, Jeff, I heard your pain and your rehabilitation and everything you went through. And I, I, my heart goes out to you throughout that oh, trying time. And, and, my admiration goes out to you for your recovery to this date. Thank it's, you. I appreciate that. Um, what I am doing for fun right now is my wife and I love to play video games. Um, we, when we first met, we we found a passion gamer. I was a gamer, and we decided to play World of Warcraft together. Um, you may or may not have heard of that game, but uh, it's been around for a while. And uh, we, we enjoyed it. Recently, however, she, she keeps to it because that's part of her re rehabilitation of, of finding something enjoyable in her life. Um, I'll play every now and then with her. My newest passion is really Netflix. It's a, it's a bad passion. It's a very bad passion. But I love it to death. Watching shows, seeing stories, because I'm a, I'm a storyteller and I love watching other people's stories and how they come about and the, the hero's journey and and if, if the story doesn't even have an ending i love it because it it's like true life true life keeps going there is no end until you die and it's 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 a it's a passion of mine nice i you know the more you all talk the more i feel like i should pat myself on the back for putting you all together today because you seem very um empathetic of each other, but also very like-minded. So, and Elaine, how about you? What are you doing for fun? I mean, do you even have time for fun or is oh, everything fun? No, 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 I must. Well, first of all, when I'm in my, when I'm with my clients and, and, and my students are speaking, that's my, that's my joy. I mean, I get tremendous joy, but my work, you know, I run a, a non-for-profit organization. So there's a lot of this kind of work. And that's the opposite of fun. So um, for me, so um, 
so what I do for fun is I move. I just move. I mean, I, I go out for walks and I, um, I do business meetings when I can, you know, talking on the phone. Uh, if I'm meeting someone, we go for a walk. Um, for fun, I know it sounds, it sounds counter, but for me, meditating and, and learning and listening and growing is really fun. I, I love, I've actually gotten certified in inner bonding and learning from other, you know, over the pandemic. And, um, but also what I do is, um, well, my husband is an incredible cook. So he's just been cooking like wild over the pandemic. So we enjoy every night, almost every night, an hour to an hour and a half meal of just catching up and laughing and eating incredible food. And um, I've been meeting my girlfriends once the beach opened up. I have two um, of two of my BFFs. We we meet and we're we're so we were socially distanced. We were six feet apart. We all wore masks, but we would meet at the beach once a week, and that was amazing. Um, and I take dance class online, you know, on Zoom. I take dance and yoga, and move. I move. That's that's kind of my thing. Is I move or I meditate. I eat <laughs> and I hang, I hang with my friends on, um, I'm not a person to do like zoom. Uh, one of my friends, some friends are doing like zoom happy hour. It doesn't really work for me, but, um, and, and you have a superhero name too. Yes, I do. Actually, I, I have a cape. I, I, if I'd known that question would be asked, I would, I would have brought my cape, but I'm, I'm my, my, my name is coach E and I actually have a cape that says super coach E. So, it's <laughs> crazy. Wow, Jenny, do you have a superhero name? I do not, um, but similar to Jeff, I do have a nickname that I've had forever, and it's Downtown Denny Brown. It's just stuck around forever. If it works, <laughs> it works. You brought up food, so do you cook at all? Are any you talking? Of you? To uh, any of you? Do you cook, or what do you like to cook, or what do you like to eat? So we. Because we live in a, in, a, in a tumultuous family that has really difficult time planning, uh, we tend to buy good food boxes um, because it puts it all together for us. And then I'm able to, to cook and put it out there because a planner, when it comes to food, you give me a business, I can plan that from beginning to end, no problem. You give me a recipe or a bunch of ingredients, and I'm looking at them going, uh... So we're going to have raw carrots tonight. How's that? <laughs> I'm the, I used to the same way, Danny. I would sit there. I never, I could only see cans. I could never see ingredients. It, and Elaine has basically a personal chef. I literally have a personal gourmet chef. I mean, my husband, he's a therapist, but he also um, is a cook on a boat, like a, you know, like the, where they travel different parts of the world and he, he's a chef and he was supposed to have gone to Thailand. So um, when that got, and so for three months prior, he was learning how to cook all of these incredible Thai dishes and I got to try them out. So, um, and then the camp, the trip got canceled, but we kept eating. So, um, you know, I have to, I have to say, uh, I, we eat all organic and very healthy. Um, and I have a passion for dark, dark chocolate that I'm, mm -hmm. I'm trying to kick. I'm trying to kick because I, 
you know, I have to admit, I have, you know, I love it a little too much, but, um, but uh, I love dark chocolate. And I just wanted to say something about this group that you put together. And like, I have this favorite quote that I share. Um, I actually said it in my TEDx talk, but it just seems so perfect for these incredible people. Um, and it's, um, fate is the hand that we're dealt and destiny is how we play our hand. And uh, how beautiful. That makes me so happy. That's great. So beautiful. And I think that's like what everyone on this call, you know, has revealed that, you know, we may have been dealt um, severe, really intense challenges, but how we play it by being a service to others and being better humans. And mm -hmm. um, you know, I love that. Um, to, to, to mirror onto that one, um, one of my favorite thought processes is you have two choices when you are met with a disaster of some sort. You can choose to grow or you can choose to stay. And if you choose to grow, you get the chance of overcoming. But if you choose to stay, you will be there forever. And I, I love I love that that saying that you, you brought about, Elaine. It was beautiful. Yeah. I love both of these. You have a quote, Jeff? You probably do. Do you have a favorite? No, I would say not at the top of my head because the second you say that, my mind goes blank. Uh, sorry. But say, sorry. No, I mean, honestly, half the time, if you ask me what color I like, I'll, I'll not remember in the moment, but it is black. It's not a color, I know, but it's it's okay. Um, it's, uh, you know, for me, though, I do think this is really true. And I think that we all, you know, I mean, we have very specific things that we've dealt with over the past year, year and a half. Um, but everybody who's listening has gone through this too, you know, and, um, and we all, I think in certain ways, were presented with circumstances that were impossible, you know, that were really impossible you would not have thought that it would be possible to get through some of these things. And, and I think, I suspect the fact that we're all here means that we did. Um, and, and I think that's, that's to be applauded. I, I have found this last year, even prior to, to being sick to be pretty enlightening in terms of um, what is possible when you are really focused on, on affecting change. I'm making that a quote. <laughs> because I like it. Yeah, because it's true. You can see what is possible when you're interested in, when your interest is in affecting change. Is that pretty much a good paraphrasation? I know that's not I like it. Probably sounded better than what the way I said it. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Excellent. I would like you all to bestow a goal on people who are listening. So something maybe you will do, but that you think would be helpful to other people as we embrace change in the second half of this year, we we're, we have good reason to think things are going to be better. Um, so why not go with the optimism? So what is one goal that you would set for others? And as a bonus, make it something you wanna do too, because why not, right? Who wants to go? And I'm going to let Jeff think because. No, I, I, I got Jeff. Thank you for this one. Um, I would say, I would say it would be to finish a creative project. So I think we all have goals related directly to our careers, but I think our careers don't always provide every level of fulfillment. 
And, and so I would say, you know, I've talked to, as an author, I've talked to all sorts of writers and reporters and, and, and folks like that who really, who talked to me about ideas for books that they had. And um, the difference between them and me is that I actually started writing it. Um, and, and, and that makes just the beginning of something is important. So I'm not going to say finish a book. What I would say is write the first chapter, you know, put, out, put something on paper and then commit to doing that in a set period of time. Um, it doesn't have to be a book. It doesn't have to be, it could be working on your backyard, which is another big goal of mine. Um, you know, um, it just do something creative that fulfills you. Um, and if it happens to be something that supports your career or supports your ability to make a living, great. But it, I don't think it's a requirement. Love it. And I will tell you why I love it for many reasons. But part is I'm going to announce the Summer Goal Challenge, which is for exactly that purpose, to commit to something that you want that is going to fulfill you. And it could be personal, professional, whatever. So I'm thrilled. That is complete. We're like this stuff. Elaine, goal from you? Yeah. Mine would be remember. And it's... It's more about perhaps write down the lessons learned and the resiliency that you found during this 15 months. And remember who you are. Remember who you are when you can't go shopping, when you can't see your best friend, when you can't, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. But what, what do you do? What can you do? And remember those values all the time. So when you step back into the world, bring yourself, bring, bring the lessons. Love it. Love it. Okay, Danny, bring us home. Uh, the one thing I would do or ask people to do, and I'm working on myself, is to listen more deeply. Communication is key for everything. And if you cannot listen to what the people are trying to tell you, and if you're constantly trying to answer or to fill, or to um, talk to respond, you're not truly communicating. And you're not going to be able to create that deeper connection with that person. So listen deeply and help them speak. Because if they can speak better, and this is something I got from Oscar Trimboli. We think at 900 words per minute, we listen at 100 words per minute, and we talk at 100 words per minute. Those are vast differences in what we do. So when we speak, we're always stumbling over our words. So the whole objective of the listener is to help them get those words out and to hear that deeper meaning. Love it. That's great. Well, you all have been awesome party guests. Uh, real quickly, tell people where they can find you, Jenny. You can find me in Ottawa and Gatineau. Woo! In here in Canada, but RamseyBrownMedia.ca is uh, is our website, and uh, my other website is ConnectOttawa.net. Excellent. And Elaine, where can people find you? Uh, you can email me at Coach E at CoachEProductions.com, or you can learn about my work through the MiracleProject.org. Wonderful. And Jeff. 
Hey, well, you can find me certainly at sweatandco.com, which is my agency's website. You can also find my author page at jeffsweatbooks.com and on both um, Facebook and Instagram as jeffsweatbooks. Also Twitter too, but I don't go there because anyway, because it's Twitter. Anyway. Thank you all again, Jeff, Elaine, and Denny for joining me. Thank you all who are watching or listening as we approach the rest of the year. Let's just, you know... Enjoy, embrace, make changes. I'm trying to put everybody's thing in together. Listen and learn. Thanks for listening to The Dev Show. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Need more inspiration and motivation? Connect with me on LinkedIn, follow at The Dev Method on social media, and check out thedevmethod.com. Best of luck with your goals, and remember, you can do it. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.